I'm Jackson Licka and welcome to this episode of our 2016 Precision Farming Dealer Podcast Series. Today's program, brought to you by Farmer's Edge, features a diverse group of dealers sharing individual and collective insights gathered during roundtable discussions at the 2016 Precision Farming Dealer Summit. And just a reminder that we're less than a month away from the second Precision Farming Dealer Summit coming up on January 9th and 10th in St. Louis. The theme of the dealer-only event is Proven Business Blueprints and will feature a mix of general sessions, panel presentations, and roundtable discussions designed for top-level decision-makers to develop profitable precision strategies for their dealerships. For more information on this limited seating event and to view the full program and agenda, visit www.precisionsummit.com. If this is your first time tuning into our podcast series, I would encourage you to subscribe in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if you have another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know. We'll make every effort to get it listed here as well. And by subscribing, that will allow you to get an alert when upcoming episodes in our 2017 podcast series are released. Thanks again to Farmer's Edge, proud to partner with dealers across the United States to unlock exceptional opportunities for their farm customers. Through innovative technology and field-centric tools, their whole farm smart solution will strengthen your platform and enhance your customer relations. Grow opportunities for your customers and become a representative for Farmer's Edge today. Visit them at farmersedgeusa.com slash become a representative or call them at 952-582-1398. Keeping precision employees productive year-round conquering compatibility concerns, and communicating where manufacturers fall short with technology support are common themes that connect precision farming dealers. Having a forum to question, debate, and perhaps even vent about points of pain can be both therapeutic and educational for dealers. With a common goal of better serving customers, being able to pick the brains of peers in an informal setting is a unique learning environment. This year's Precision Farming Dealer Summit featured 10 different dealer roundtables moderated by a diverse group of dealers who diligently took note of the most valuable talking points discussed during their respective sessions. In today's Precision Farming Dealer podcast brought to you by Farmer's Edge, these 10 dealers share the top takeaways and advice from their roundtable conversations at the summit. So what we're going to do here is just uh, kind of pass the mic down the line, and each uh, moderator is going to introduce themselves and the session they were in and then share their their top takeaways. Uh, My name is Chad Fitzer. Uh, I'm with Forbes Equipment Integrated Solutions Manager out of Greeley, Colorado. Um, The session that I moderated was uh, calling Keeping Precision Employees Productive Year-Round. And uh, I think it was a fairly large group. It may have been the largest one. I think we had about 40, 45 people in there. And we went around and uh, in the room and we, we said names and then more importantly, kind of uh, the makeup of what kind of where we were located and then the cropping system so that we kind of had an idea of, 
of uh, you know who we were talking to in the room. We had a good mix of the likes of Trimble dealers or Trimble resellers, uh, Case IH dealers, John Deere dealers, and uh, so then things were. It, it was an interesting uh, discussion because we had some some different angles, but obviously everybody's got employees and we all want them to be productive. So um, we kind of went around and we I, we just kind of asked probing questions about where everybody was at, who was profitable, who was not profitable, why, and then, um, you know, just talked about generally where a lot of the shortcomings are throughout the season with regard to, uh, you know, where we've got gaps and where we've got, where we just hit a dead period, or um, maybe there's, you know, there's some other things that are preventing us from keeping those guys moving all year long. So um, we, we talked around a lot of different points, but I'd say the, the, the top three takeaways uh, just kind of the, the quick and dirty. Number one uh, was standard pricing for precision service. So uniformity across knowing how to how to monetize services, how to charge for phone support, for field support. Uh, if you're at a uh, an equipment dealership, if you've got a play between something like a service department, uh, you know how do you charge the, the the going shop rate versus the the time in the field, or is it part of a whole goods deal where? You've got service that's built in for one year. Are the salesmen charging for that during the deal? Uh, if you have to come back and you have to recoup costs, we all have to be really, really aware of what we're doing as far as uh, how we're charging and not charging. You know, we all know that that uh, you can watch um, somebody just eat up a mountain of time taking taking phone support calls, and and it's good because it's a, it's a chance to touch the customer, a chance to have that stickiness and to have that relationship. But at the same time. Uh, somebody's got to carry the water. And so we were aware of that. And then windshield time on going out and uh, doing doing service work. Or if a guy's got a question about you going out and do it, changing out hydraulic hose and they happen to have a question about a, a piece of precision equipment, is the service tech qualified to take that call? Uh, things like that. So standard pricing for, for precision service. And then that kind of went into um, training. And that was a really big theme that came out of the room is that if, if guys aren't um, necessarily on a job, or they're not doing uh, revenue generating activities, that somehow they should be either training the customers, or they should be training uh, other folks in other departments, service department, sales department, or, or training themselves the likes of John Deere University, whatever it might be, but, but constantly building that knowledge base and then ultimately sharing that knowledge. And I personally think that that may come back to them maybe not having the ability to get up and talk in public, or um, be able to talk in front of people because they may have the knowledge, but maybe they're not people, uh, not a people person and that they need to be trained about how to engage customers and ultimately building their capacity to engage the, the customer base better. And then finally back uh, to people, really flexibility. And, and as we all know um, in this industry that you get a lot of guys that come out of the service department that have a, a real desire to learn more about technology, but you've got you know, people coming out of land grant universities and um, trade schools all throughout the country that have more than just uh, the sum of their knowledge, the parts of their knowledge, but they actually have a lot of desire uh, to learn. But just overall flexibility to take on uh, different job roles within a within an organizational structure, kind of like what what Tim alluded to in uh, his presentation, where he filled like three or four different job roles. Um, we, we need to be able to expect that because obviously as these organizations and these departments evolve, uh, you, you got to have people be flexible to fill different roles. We can't have silos really between departments or with, within the department where a guy says, this is, you know, I'm not going to do, this is not my job. That, that phrase shouldn't exist. We really need people to be flexible. So that was, those are the three big takeaways from, from our session.
Uh, my name's Adam. Name's Adam Jacobs. Uh, I'm from James River Equipment in South Dakota. Uh, my session was troubleshooting technology, conquering compatibility problems. Uh, I guess our top, our biggest thing that kept coming up for our top three hits was ISO bus compatibility. It's still, we didn't really conquer any answers for ISO bus, so don't got nothing there, but. Well, as we know, is there's ISO bus people around here that have pulling that. We need more help out of you guys. <laughs> and well, uh, the second one was data management from other brand, other other brands into a central location, being able to get that information into one area, and then uh, le also learning multiple systems. We all we all come across having to deal with problems from all so sorts of brands, so we kind of almost got to be a jack of all trades for all systems. I'm Dave Swain with Southern States Co-op, and uh, we had uh, internships and working with the interns. And we've got more than three, but we'll try to condense it down. But most of it was uh, education for the student, uh, getting them to understand real work, not just the school work, but applying what they learn in school and getting it into the real life. And um, even one of our uh, attendees had... Uh, had an agreement with some high schools. They were even going down into the high schools and working with the FFA uh, chapters to bring in kids, start getting them some project work and, uh, and educating them and seeing where they could go in the industry. Um, the other thing is meeting expectations. A lot of the time we don't clearly define what the expectations are. Uh, sometimes that's not just in the internships, but with our customers as well as our full-time employees, but making sure we are expressing and meeting those expectations. Um, and I said, you know, excuse the pun, but growing a farm system. You know, you look at a baseball team that has, you know, double-A, triple-A farm system. They build from within, and that's really what these internships can become as you start growing relationships with the universities, tech schools, and such, is really building relationships, bringing them in, training them up, so that you've got a steady stream of good employees coming up that you can hire and place in the field with some confidence. Um, the last one was probably the, the biggest thing, is making sure that they understand they're a part of the team and that they're not just there to, you know, go get donuts, go get coffee type of thing, but getting them real work, they understand that they're a part of the team, that what they're doing has a reason for it, and one of the guys had uh, full projects that they had to complete by the end of the internship. And so even at that point, it was on top of all the other work they did, but they had a project, and at the end of the internship, they not only presented it to their supervisor, but they presented it to the whole team and to their management. He said in the, he had this last time they had their CEO was attending the intern presentations when it was all said and done. So there's real purpose in what they were doing to complete that internship. And then they actually took those projects and implemented them. Hi everyone, uh, I'm Daryl Lacey with Delta Power Equipment, Ontario, Canada. Uh, the topic that we had, the breakout session that we were charged with was uh, having a successful uh, precision ag field day. So we had uh, about five 
takeaways. So uh, the first one was have a targeted customer base. So uh, we talked about in great length, uh, about 100 people show up, but nobody ever buys a piece of guidance equipment. So make sure the people that you are inviting understand that it's a not a free lunch, it's not an appreciation day, but it's actually a targeted event and uh, get away from the free lunches, okay? Um, same time every year. So you have the hurdles of uh, trying to do it with planting season, harvest season, uh, spraying season. So pick a time in uh, downtime of the year and make it repeated every year. So have the same event, change it up, but have it at the same time every year. Um, get the management to buy into the project, right? So instead of trying to be a one-man show or a small team in the group, make sure the management and uh, the other team members of the dealership, your whole goods and parts people and other, make it a team event and you bring people into the organization and make the event inclusive. Uh, try to make every event um, in that session based on ROI, return on investment, because uh, if you're bringing out the decision makers and the purchasers and the, the key people in the group, you want to make sure you have data to back up what you're doing, and the best way to do it is make it ROI. Thank you. We'll be right back to the program and hear more from the remaining moderators, but I did want to again thank our sponsor, Farmer's Edge, for making this program possible. Farmer's Edge is proud to partner with dealers across the United States to unlock exceptional opportunities for their farm customers. Through innovative technology and field-centric tools, their whole farm smart solution will strengthen your platform and enhance your customer relations grow opportunities for your customers, and become a representative for Farmer's Edge today. Visit them at FarmersEdgeUSA.com slash become a representative or call them at 952-582-1398. Reflecting on the takeaways thus far, it was interesting to hear some of the advice on coordinating a successful Precision Egg Field Day. Moderator Daryl Lacey shared that one of the lessons learned among group members was having 100 customers attend a field day for little more than a free lunch. Targeting the right customers, getting support from management, and gearing the event toward precision ROI are three keys to making field days worthwhile for both attendees and the dealership. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from the roundtable moderators on the value of egg drones, sharing precision workflow, and best practices for selling used technology. Hi everyone, I'm Jeff Styers with Berkey's Farm Stores. Um, I had the um, tech support, where can manufacturers improve? And it was interesting to see uh, we actually had more manufacturers in the room than dealers. Um, the uh, the topic was kept uh, pleasant. Uh, there was not a lot of point, pointing fingers. Um, but there were three, uh, three things that came to the surface that you're probably not going to be surprised by them, but uh, 
they kind of surfaced as the, the leading topics here. So the first one was uh, tech support availability. Uh, if we're in the field, uh, tech support needs to be available 24-7, 365, or 24-7 in season, whatever it may be, it needs to be a priority. Um, also, along with availability, on hold position. You know, if you're on hold and you're number 33, are you going to be 33 for three hours or are you going to be 33 for three minutes? Uh, knowing where you stand uh, in the call line, as well as having the availability to have a callback number entered. Uh, that, was, that was very key. The next one was tech support employee retention. Uh, I don't know how many times you call in, you get someone new, and, and all that knowledge seems to go away. Um, uh, it, was, it was good to hear that the manufacturers talk about career paths that they have in place for their employees to, to re retain those employees, as well as to cross-train their employees. So to put the new uh, technicians with the experienced ones, so they, they teach the new guy um, the tricks of the trade. And, and in some cases, the new guy can teach the old guy uh, uh, some tricks as far as using new tools to uh, better identify the problems the dealers are facing. And the last one was uh, just that, new support tools. You know, tech support has been the same for years. You call in, you wait, you get a, a guy, he may be able to answer the question, he may not. You may have to go to the next level of support. Um, there's been some companies as of late that uh, provide video streaming. You know, I've been approached by some companies that want us to use apps on our smartphones to connect with our farmers. Uh, to, to troubleshoot their problems. Why can't we use something like that to connect with the manufacturers as well? So those were the three topics we discussed. Hi, I'm Adam Shepard with JD Equipment in uh, Central Ohio. I uh, wanted to thank the participants from uh, roundtable number eight, uh, UAVs, Practical Precision Tools or Toys. Um, the three main takeaways we had um, were that the UAVs, we all agreed that they were not the, the answer, the silver bullet to all of our problems. They were simply a tool in the toolbox. Um, when utilized correctly, there's some potential there to, uh, to help us out agronomically. Um, number two was the technology still has um, a fair amount of room for improvement. Um, as far as we've come with the sensor development and the, uh, the deployment of the UAVs, um, the stitching of the images and some of the, the background software work to, to, to get the NDVI image um, still needs some, some uh, improvement to do that in a timely manner for, for accurate decision making. And then uh, we had a, a pretty lengthy discussion um, as our group was split about 50-50 with actual um, dealers that were providing UAV sales and and maybe some data management packages, and then uh, about 50% that was interested in learning more to see if maybe their dealership should uh, make the investment into it. Um, the big thing was education um, and how to place the UAVs as far as uh, the aerial imagery and the data that's behind that and how important the data is to make sound decisions. So um, those were our three main takeaways. A good, good conversation. Um, we, we never could agree if they were tools or toys, but I guess that's still open for debate, but good discussion, so appreciate it. I'm Bryce Hennings with Central Illinois Ag. Uh, topic was spreading precision workflow across departments. Um, had a really good discussion. Um, a few things that stuck out um, was to sell a, a service package, and you can go on and on about service packages as we did, but um, to sell a service package with that new piece of equipment 
Um, so whenever uh, you go to sell that, you can have a place to bill your labor, which also comes up in other different times. But um, it gets your service techs to work on some things because that way you have a place to, to bill their time. So you can have service help you out with your, uh, with your issues. Um, another thing would be to spread the workload to the customer themselves. Um, sometimes that's difficult, um, but the, the more you let them know, the more you teach versus just go out and push buttons, teach them things, you can spread the workflow, their work or your workflow uh, to them uh, to help them out. Um, and also scheduling with the customer um, to keep things in line versus, you know, 14 people calling on one day to get their planner started or their combine going, uh, schedule all that. So you have three people a day versus, you know, 14. Um, very good discussion and uh, appreciate everybody was in there. I'm Kevin Depius with Richie Implement, and uh, we were uh, in the discussion of making the most uh, out of our online sales opportunities, and we covered a gamut of different discussion topics, um, but it, a lot of it still evolved about branding yourself, branding your dealership, and getting your online presence out there. You know, granted, you may not have a direct sale linked to that uh, uh, branding yourself, but you're, you're basically getting more clicks. Everybody knows how much information is out on the Internet, and the more you're out there and the more presence you have, the more people have that name recognition. You know, we, we talked about just a, a, a simple, silly YouTube video gets over 500,000 hits on it, and that gets you some brand presence, some market opportunity. Um, <clears throat> the other part about your, your uh, marketing yourself and your online presence is properly branding yourself. Um, one of our dealers in our roundtable discussion does everything from forestry down to consumer goods. And, and he said, you know, you make the link. A guy comes on, on your website for a lawnmower and first thing he sees is a bulldozer, you may lose that opportunity. So having your, yourself properly positioned online to make sure that you're covering all those markets so that you're not scaring away the customer base before they even get to, to meet you personally or know your business. Um, Another thing we had discussed uh, was, was room for growth with online sales opportunities. Uh, we, we've all identified that um, the consumers are trying to do more and more themselves, uh, do, do more purchasing themselves, less business hour decisions. Um, and, and the comic kept coming up, make it as easy as Amazon. So we discussed if there's opportunities to streamline our systems for uh, parts, parts look up, you know, some, something similar to my shed that Case IH offers, but directly linked to the dealership level where a customer can confidently pick a part online, order it, and consistently know they're getting the right product to them, uh, be more like Amazon, so to speak. We think that we can gain some opportunities out there. Um, also part room for growth is, is utilizing technology to help our customers with these decisions, videos. Uh, I was brought up a guy uh, was looking for a part and couldn't, couldn't identify it on, on his machinery. A technician just took a video of himself walking up the machine, pointing at what he was talking about, and it brought the customer and the dealership on the same level. Again, you're building trust with that customer. And then our third final discussion uh, that we wrapped up on was distinguishing yourself online product-wise. You know, everybody's on Tractor House. We talked about a you know, certain combine model. There's 1,200 of them online. Well, how do you get yourself to be one of that 1,200 that a customer out there looking, clicks on, and actually sticks in his mind to make the phone call or to take the next step to get to the purchase of that unit. Thank you.
Um, Josh Barnaby with O'Malley Equipment. I did, uh, or I was moderator there for strategies for selling used precision equipment. Um, I guess most of our discussion was trying to figure out how to transfer the risk from um, our owners or ourselves to uh, back to the person that's trading in the equipment. Um, I think one of the main things we, we, we felt like we need, you needed to do is figure out its actual value, use a, a lot of the internet tools, try to figure out what it's worth, leverage relationships with um, other people, maybe with other manufacturers, um, if they're trading in other manufacturers' equipment to you uh, to figure out its value, um, and then hopefully figure out what they would, uh, what they're willing to pay for it, trade for it at a wholesale level, and have it sold before you even get it. One of the other strategies was prob was to um, consign it, and have a central database um, with all that stuff listed. Somebody comes in wanting something like that, uh, referencing the the uh, database and calling them up and getting um, bringing the relationship together, or hopefully selling some new items because of it, sell the harness, sell the labor to install it. Um, those were probably the, uh, the two main parts of the discussion, um, how to do that. Um, uh, I think everybody there made mistakes and trying to stay away from those mistakes, ending up with the, that equipment that has no value, um, that has, I guess, now, say cell phone modems or something like that that has a shelf life or a, a useful life period, um, trying to keep away from those type of products. Uh, Heath Conklin, Integrity Ag Group, uh, Murray, Kentucky. And we had the marketing, where will I get the most bang for my buck? Uh, first and foremost, I think we established that we are all pretty good at precision ag and really bad at marketing. So. Uh, Three big takeaways we had. First was uh, identifying what we're trying to do. Social media was a big concern for everybody. <clears throat> what do we use? How do you use it? What do you post? Uh, Facebook was obviously probably the number one, but uh, putting useful stuff, not overusing it. Uh, the OEMs, we had an interesting mix of OEMs and independent dealers in the group, and the OEMs breaking off a separate precision ag group uh, and then branding that name separate from their traditional dealership. I thought that was a really interesting approach that they were going with and marketing towards that. And service calls, we decided to open that can of worms and how we figure out service billing and do we market that service billing? How are we marketing it? Uh, of course, and we got into a lot more of the, the hows and the particulars than we're supposed to, but uh, we did a really good job of how we're going to push that forward in, in the future and make it adaptable. So. Thank you to each of the moderators for sharing their takeaways and advice accumulated during their roundtable discussions. And those listeners who would like to see more coverage of the Summit Roundtables mentioned during this program, please visit www.precisionfarmingdealer.com. And again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Farmer's Edge, for helping make this Precision Farming Dealer podcast series possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or call me at 262-777-2441. And once again, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast series in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. 
or to go back and listen to any of the 15 episodes in our 2016 podcast series. You can also keep up on the latest precision farming news impacting your dealership by registering online for our free e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and on our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. And again, be sure to visit our Precision Farming Dealer Summit page at PrecisionSummit.com to check out the full lineup of speakers and sessions that will be on tap at our 2017 event coming up on January 9th and 10th in St. Louis. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on January 5th for the first episode in our 2017 podcast series, Measuring the Success of a Standalone Precision Business, where Lanty Spud Armstrong, Precision Ag Manager with Ag Technologies in Rochester, Indiana, will share his experience separating a precision farming business from an equipment dealership. For the Summit Roundtable moderators, Farmer's Edge, and our entire staff here with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jack Simlicka. Thanks for listening. <music>